Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get into things, I just want to remind everybody that the Strickland does have a Patreon with a $3 tier, $6 tier, a $9, $15, $30, and $50 tier on top of that, and a $100 tier if you want to support us even further more. But starting with the $6 tier, you will get access to our Strickland Discord where everything's always going crazy in there, live during Knicks games, live during football games. We'll be talking about a lot of draft stuff coming up, so that's awesome. You get access to the Friday edition of Pod Strickland, and in addition to a Knicks mailbag, and a five dollar discount on the Strickland merch store. The nine dollars here gets you access to exclusive articles and columns by guys like Matt, my co-host Geoff Rasmussen, and and some more great writers. You get access to Schwin, to Schwinn's biweekly solo pod where he rants and raves, and I mean rants mostly about the uh, the Knicks. And you get a follow back from the Strickland's Twitter account, which is always cool because you can tell your friends and whoever that you got a pretty big time account following you. Next off, any odds for players, games, anything you hear on this podcast, it's all over there on Bet Online, your number one app for all your sports betting needs. And if you've been listening, you know it's obviously playoff time, right? We're deep into the playoffs at this point. We're almost at the Super Bowl. And the road to Vegas does go through the number one seed, San Fran and Baltimore Ravens. So, like I said, BetOnline is your number one source for all football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from points spreads to hundreds of player props. And it doesn't just stop there, right? Everything more than football, basketball, soccer, hockey, you name it, they got it. So head over to BetOnline today to stay updated on the action. BetOnline, the game starts here. Just wrapped up the second round of the playoffs. Um, Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, and who else was there in the NFC over there? It was the – help me out, Stacey. Who would you say so far? The Niners, Chiefs, Ravens, and uh, who am I blanking on right now? The uh, the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions, yes. From the state as the, the – coincidentally, just half an hour away, the team that won the football, college football national championship. Uh, yep. I can't remember their name. Can you help me place that or – um, I don't know. I think uh, Michigan Wolverines, maybe. Yeah, I think that was it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should still be relishing in that. Um, I I don't think it's gonna be as, you know, ridiculous of a uh, how do I say it? downturn for Michigan as people might be painting it out to be. Like you know, the infrastructure of the program is still there and all that stuff. So, like, are are they gonna keep this kind of peak? for an extended amount of time post Harbaugh, we'll see. But in the in the short term, you know, two, three years, I don't I don't see much changing. Um they'll still be up there at the top, you know, five, six, seven, eight teams uh, every year. 
But there is a lot of other NFL news. Um, we'll, we'll hit on a little bit of college stuff later when we get back into the Chargers and how they just hired Harbaugh. Uh, Harbaugh. Um, but so for uh, the Raiders, I think the Raiders did a lot of funny stuff this week. Uh, they they brought in they brought back Antonio Pierce, which good decision. But then they paired that with hiring Tom Telesco as their GM. Um, kind of kind of insane that um they saw what he did over there with the chargers and figured you know we want that guy in our building uh what do you take away from that yeah i mean it's it's tough with a lot of these hires um you know telesco, or telesco obviously has experience um as gm uh, as you are well aware a lot of these things are based on connections and um you know, the fact is the Chargers, the Chargers have always been a weird team in that they've had a lot of success. Um, and, you know, his philosophies are going to uh, re- uh, resonate with a lot of teams, right? He wants to build through the draft. Um, there is a lot of talent on that Chargers roster. I think hiring Brandon Staley was a mistake. Um, I think he found the right quarterback in the draft. Um, that is probably something that you can't, you know, understate because that is the single most, I mean, you would agree with that, right? Finding your, the right quarterback is the single most important thing for a team, right? Agreed. Um, and they were draft driven, data driven. The Raiders want to shift to that. You know, it, it seemed like he made the wrong coach hire. Maybe they'll have more oversight in that. Um, we'll see. Um, I think that there's, there's a lot of moving parts that go to this. There's a lot of luck involved. Um, you know, I'm a fan of a team with Howie Roseman. He is, his flaws are very clear. Like he's been a, the best general manager I've ever seen on the Eagles. His flaws have also been very pronounced, uh, both from a personality standpoint, from a talent evaluation standpoint, and from an org- like when it works, it's awesome. When it doesn't work, it's ugly. And I think you've seen both sides of that with the Chargers, who clearly have a lot of talent. Um, but he he seems to get it. I don't think I'm as down on this as you are. It's a little bit more of a wait and see for me. But uh, tell me why you you think it's uh, so so insane. Yeah, well, I, I think you know we say getting your quarterback is the most important part of, of building your foundation, right? And it's true, but also a lot of times, right? Like the Niners has found their quarterback. Did they plan on him being their quarterback? No, they didn't. Did they right? find their quarterback though, or did they just have an insane roster around him? Like that's. I think, I think it's both. So I mean, where where is Purdy top ten to you? No, he's. But I would say he's like. If he's better than like Flacco, I'll say that. I think he was better than the version of Flacco that was on the Ravens. I think I'd agree with that, just because he gets out of the pocket and he makes a bit of off-platform throws. Um, in the, on the spectrum of NFL quarterbacks, right, like. It's not necessarily the 16th best quarterback is the average NFL quarterback, right? There, there's there's kind of a point where, like, once you get past, like, there's a drop off 18, 19, 20, then you go, okay, these guys, like, this guy might be the 21st best, but in actuality, there's no difference between him and, like, the 28th best guy. Yeah, and you might say the guy who's 18th best is pretty close to the 10th best. Right? Exactly. 12, so I think right? he falls right in that kind of window between. Let's call it like 12 to 18. Um, and our, our numbers, you know, whatever was 30 plus passing touchdowns um, because he is an elite passer. Like, 
obviously, you know, we could say no on that. But in terms of Telesco, right, like, he still didn't take Herbert over anybody notable, right? Like, the Dolphins took Tua before Herbert. Um, Burrow was the first guy off the board. So I just would have been interested to see if he did still stick with Herbert, you know, if he was there at five, would he have passed on Tua? So that's, that's like, part of the thought that goes into it for me. Um, I don't love kind of his execution of the Rams style of kind of pick trading, right? Um, from the Mac trade, which I thought that trade, like in general is fine. But when you constantly are just, okay, we're going to trade for Khalil Mack. All right. We're also going to pay Mike Williams and invest in Quentin Johnson as a, as a first round receiver on top of having Keenan Allen on the books, um, bringing in Gerald Everett. And I know they've, they've traded for a few other guys that are slipping my mind right now, but it never felt to me like the plan was, okay, we're going to do this. And we're going to stay patient. We're going to stay, you know, focus our principles. And then we're going to progress onto this stage. It was kind of a mixed match of like, you know, you have these older guys in the receiver room, but then you draft a guy who you can't really play over them, but also isn't really a compliment to them. And then Bosa and Khalil Mack's timelines don't really go great together. The JC Jackson contract was ended up being pretty bad. You know, he was cut. I or traded to the Patriots, I believe, for like a conditional seventh round pick, I think is what it was. So there's for sure hits on his resume, right? Like I just brought up Joey Bosa's a hit. Derwin James is a hit. That um the safety, his name is escaping me right now. I, um but they had a safety who has one of those uh, Polynesian names. Great player this year. Um really made an impact with them. And I think that's somebody who like you know, you could give a little bit of credit to Brains Daly for that as well. So they're getting somebody who I think knows talent, but he's going to need a little bit of an adjustment in his principles to really succeed in in uh, Las Vegas. What do you think? Is, do you think he's too analytics driven, or I mean, is there a pattern there you see in his decision making that he'll have to adapt to in terms of a bias? Yeah, I would say like it's it's more of in isolation because of. In the last couple of years, like the last two or three years, he really did this a lot where he chased the big name, right? Um, he took Johnston, you know, even though I thought Johnston was a better prospect than a Zay Flowers and specifically the fourth receiver off the board who uh, was Jordan. No, it was Addison second, I believe. And then Quentin Johnston it was somewhere in there. Anyway, I would have taken Johnston over both Addison and Flowers. So I'm not over here to, you know, kind of shit on him when I would have done the same thing. But at the end of the day, as bad as Brandon Rager over uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And and we know it's real bad. Uh, Jalen Rager, sorry. Jalen. (laughs) Yeah. So I think a lot of the big name hunting, like, really burnt them. Like I mentioned before, that JC Jackson contract was pretty bad. And they never really figured out the interior of their lines, right? Like, they brought in Sebastian Joseph Day, played a decent role for them. But when he's your best interior guy and one of Bosa or Mac is typically out every other week or so, it seems, you know, that you're, you're asking a lot of him. Um, Slater was pretty much the best offensive lineman. They got Zion Johnson in, who I think is going to actually be really good. But besides that, there's three question marks still on that line. Corey Lindsley's been hurt, who's uh, usually an all-pro center, but his, you know, he's getting older. His health is not reliable. So is, there's a lot of stuff that I could see going right for him. Because he has a foundation in Max Crosby, 
in you know guys like Nate Hobbs, who's a terrific corner, Devontae, Josh Jacobs. They have buy-in with Pierce that. being the the head coach too, right? So yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I'm I'm just highly skeptical of it, and and I I think I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because it's in division, and maybe they know more stuff than me. Obviously. I mean, I I think you bring up an interesting point where the weakness has been the interior of their lines, and um, I have to ask, like you know the league shifted to passing spreads really being you know, Shanahan style offense. There's three, there's Shanahan, there's Andy Reid's kind of book. Um, you know, do you think that, you know, people like the, the giants got a lot of shit for drafting Dexter Lawrence so early, right? Yeah. Um, Eagles got a lot of shit for drafting Jordan Davis early, which, you know, the jury is a little bit out there. I think he still has some conditioning issues, but early in the year when he was healthy, he was really good. Um, do you think there might be a shift towards reprioritizing that and not necessarily saying that, you know, you have to pay running backs a ton of money, but that now that defenses have adapted to these kind of, you know, the Fangio style defenses and the, you know, coverage and, and preventing big plays that the interior is going to matter more against a lot of these attacks. And I don't know, is, is that um, part of your thinking here? Because it, it does seem to be like a league-wide trend where they've, like, guards don't go in the first round. Defensive tackles will go in the back half of the first round, or if they're, like, truly freaks like Jalen Carter or, like, with pass, like, that's the thing. We always talk about pass rushing potential for tackles. I'm curious if you think, like, the interior of the lines are going to make some of a comeback. I think centers already made a pretty big comeback, right? Um, I guess it's kind of leading the charge on that front. I think the center and the nose tackle. Uh, leading the charge. <laughs> leading the charge, yeah. <laughs> that was my uh, that was my first Stacy um ism of this podcast. So I, I think between you know Dex has really brought a lot of attention to the nose tackles. Guys like Tyler Linderbaum who's just fantastic up in Baltimore. The departure of Jason Kelsey is probably gonna bring some more attention too um to the center position. Just because, like, that guy, he's he. he Sam Jurgens is like his hand-picked replacement, but yeah, like yeah. And I remember um, in camp, right? Wasn't there a smoke about like Jurgens getting babied by Jalen Davis or, or Jalen Carter, and then Kelsey was like relaxed his one-on-ones or something like that? Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter was is just a fucking monster. Yeah, so ridiculous person. Into yeah. That, but um, yeah, like. You're, I mean, it's the same prototype. Kelsey was undersized too for this. He went in the sixth round, so mm-hmm. even for a center prospect, he wasn't highly regarded. Um, and he was also part of that old kind of, or maybe not old, but the thinking that like you want mobile guys, and that has worked for the Eagles also because Kelsey's just a beast who also developed a lot of strength. Um, but um, but yeah, I think your point like Kelsey's a huge loss for the Eagles. So he could have played two or three more years if he really wanted to, but. He would rather. I can't blame him for wanting to be shirtless in a booth with his wife and Taylor Swift watching his brother just go towards another ring. So, honestly, I I kind of like seeing that man. Like the the, the just juxtaposition of like Taylor Swift up there with you know Brittany Mahomes and then Jason Kelsey's like fuck that sweet fuck that I'm gonna be down here shirt off beer in my hand. Like like a man, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he was just well. He's always 
he's he has walked he's never been quite gronk where he just the gronk never gave a fuck right but kelsey like can like have fun he's obviously very serious about his craft um Mm -hmm. i think you talk to anyone in that organization this is not a guy who was like the party guy right but the eagles championship parade he was chugging beers in his mummer's outfit with fans he was he gave a very impassioned speech laced with a lot of profanity this is a guy like I mean, he, it's he's smart about it, but um, this guy likes that fun. So, and I think that's that's it's, you know, if you can walk that line, it's it's definitely it's good for the game. So, I think this draft class, you might start to see that. I guess the best way to put it is kind of honing back in on the interior guys. I know Jerzhan Newton is somebody who's definitely supposed to be like at least a, like a late teens first round pick um and he, he's a guy who could really be a three tech a one tech um i'm not so sure about a nose but slowly but surely like these guys they see the money that defensive tackles are making now right obviously dexter lawrence quinn and williams all got extended this offseason jeffrey simmons another guy right aaron donald has kind of been up there in terms javon hargrave got a huge hard grade yeah yeah it was for 484 right for him yeah so yeah it's defensive end money right there so exactly exactly and so that kind of stuff is you know whether the nfl is going to draft them high or not i guess you just follow the money too because the kids are going to follow the money and that's where the best players are going to go to now on the interior at least for the defensive side of the ball moving on to uh, what else did we have on the docket here? So, obviously, the Harbaugh news broke. Considering that I wanted to get into the Eagles and the Harbaugh stuff, I'll let you decide which one we attack first because they're both your squads. Yeah, I think the Harbaugh stuff I can probably speak to a little bit more first. Uh, it's less depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I don't think there's anyone who's a, Michi- who's a real Michigan fan who is actually begrudging it. I think people are annoyed that it took so long and hurts recruiting um but he gave michigan i mean if you look at where he came where michigan was when he came in um they were just they had had seven years of mediocre mediocrity we put it putting it kindly they had missed bowl games i believe um three of the previous seven years um before that they had been losing to ohio state and were on a downward trend they couldn't fix that they tried going to a culture change with which rodriguez going to spread offense that didn't work they went a little bit too far the other way going back to kind of a very traditional uh offense and and brady hoke had some success but was a little too traditional and they got they got lucky to be honest right there's no reason harbaugh should have ever left the 49ers let's put it like that he was 13 and three his first season off of again a moribund franchise. Um, this the, the Niners had been awful. Alex Smith had been widely considered a bust. You know he he worked with Alex Smith, gave him sight reads, um, tailored the offense to work for him, took advantage of his mobility. Uh, he built a great defense. Uh, you know he, he knows how to hire on that side of the ball. And and if you look at Harbaugh, everywhere he's gone, you know his first coaching job he, he worked. Uh, as a QB coach for Rich Gannon for the Raiders. After that, it's been all head coaching jobs. Coached the University of San Diego, developed Josh Johnson into a uh, into a guy who who was playing in the NFC Championship last year as a backup. 
Um, it was obviously not part of the plan for the 49ers, but that just shows you that that's a, that's a D1 AA guy, right? And um, he turned and he beat San Diego State, which was a D1 program. I don't think the University of San Diego had ever beaten San Diego State, or if they had, it had been a long time. He came into a program that didn't and, and transformed them. Came into Stanford, they're 1 and 11 his first year. Second year, they beat a number two ranked USC team, which was loaded. Um, it was post Reggie Bush, but they still, they, everyone was a five star. And they were predicted by many to win the national championship, upset them, went four and eight, eight and five the next year. Then he's just smacking the shit out of Pete Carroll and getting into beefs with him. But he leaves, and the program is is an elite program that stayed that way a couple of times. Went to San Francisco, difficult situation. Not, doesn't have a solution at QB. Transforms that into a, they went three NFC championships. We can talk about you know the flaw with him, which at least for most of his career was that in the big games he tightens up a little bit. But clearly, San Francisco was even this last year they went eight and eight with a ton of turmoil and injuries. And you know him having the big foot the front office comes to Michigan. They went five and seven the year before, haven't been good for a few years. And he's going up against Urban Meyer at Ohio State when Ohio State was just Alabama level, right? And it took him a while, but within by by year two, a lot of people say, well, the first few years he couldn't beat Ohio State. His second year, they had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, went to overtime, fourth and short. Ohio State converts, controversial call. I don't want to get into my opinions on that. Whatever you think about that, though, they were that close to beating Ohio State a year after they were just a, a laughing stock. Uh, and he built on that, and and he did this right, and and now he's back, and he's won everywhere he's gone, and he's always taken over situations that are not good. He's never come into a place with a quarterback like Justin Herbert. He recruited Andrew Luck at Stanford. Besides that, college or pro, there's never been a. Uh, a quarterback he's had that's comparable to Herbert. I'm pretty high on JJ McCarthy. We'll see what happens. But this is this guy runs a sub four seven. He has wheels. That's an interesting thing with the Chargers, by the way. They haven't used him that much. You know, he makes plays outside the pocket. They haven't used him as a runner. Harbaugh will do that. Um, this is a guy who's also never been scared to make changes when you need to. He is very loyal to his coordinators, but Don Brown. Don Brown's only flaw was that he got shit on by Ohio State, but he was an elite defensive coordinator before that. Went out and fired him. Um, Alex Smith was a Pro Bowl level quarterback. Harbaugh had the you know had the courage to switch to Colin Kaepernick, and uh, and then that led them to a lot of success. So um, you know if you want to know, like you, you he's pretty much a known commodity. His personality is a little bit less known because he says very. Uh, unpredictable things, but if you think about what the Chargers are getting, one, their defense, he is going to make the right hire. His defenses are physical, they are great up front, and he's an he's offensive coach, totally will admit that. They will be physical in the trenches, no matter what. He wouldn't have yeah. taken this job unless there was a commitment from up top. They don't have a general manager yet, I know. That's going to be prior number one. He is going to make life easier for Justin Herbert. Um, you know, his quarterback track record at Michigan was not as great, but he he's still done the most with what he's had generally. And now he doesn't have to worry about selecting quarterbacks. Um, at San Diego, he had Josh Johnson turn him into an NFL player from D2 um, or D1 AA. 
he had Andrew Luck, who was a highly regarded recruit, but he made him the number one pick in the draft. Um, or did, did Luck go number two? One. He won one, yeah. Didn't win the Heisman, yeah. So RG3 won the Heisman, but they flipped in the, in the and he draft won number two. Correct. Turned out, helped Alex Smith really revive his career. And Andy Reid deserves credit for the success in Kansas City as well. Did that. Um, turned Colin, Colin Kaepernick from a project into a Pro Bowl quarterback who was, you know, inches from, a, who made the Super Bowl, right? And, and a very successful quarterback there. Uh, and the guys he's had, you know, even at Michigan, he his first year he brought in Jake Rudock as a transfer quarterback from Iowa, very conservative offense, let him loose. And that first season he had, they went 10-3, and three and they, they still lost to Ohio State, but Rudock turned into a six-round pick who had a, who had a few good years with the Lions as a backup. Um, you know, one, he, he beat Ohio State, that loaded Ohio State team with Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and, <laughs> and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. A freshman Marvin Harrison Jr. was their fourth receiver. That's how stacked they were. I have no idea this Michigan team beat them, by the way. Um, but um, and he did that with Cade McNamara as a quarterback. Cade McNamara is a solid <laughs> game manager. He's he, Cade McNamara is who JJ McCar- people think JJ McCarthy is. Um, yeah, it's very annoying. And then he got J.J. McCarthy, and the offense really went to another level. He probably still didn't pass it as much as you would like with a guy like that. But he he will – your fundamentals, the most important parts, he will he will get those in place. The questions with him have always been in big games, can you, you know, have an aggressive he, – he'll go for it on fourth down and those kind of things. But does seem to lean into the run, does seem to be a little bit conservative at times. I think he tries to give his coordinators the power to call plays. He's not a micromanager, but I think that giving giving Jim Harbaugh Justin Herbert is is a, a worthwhile risk. If there's if you can even call it a risk, like they're going to be good. I, I I don't have much doubt in that. Homerism aside, yeah, yeah, and and you think about it, right? Like, is there an elite Michigan offensive player in this draft that you can link to him and say, you know, oh they they're definitely going to take this guy? Not really, right? Like. Maybe maybe it's quarterback. Quorum. So. Exactly, they don't need a quarterback. Maybe it's Quorum and you know day two somewhere around there. Maybe Zinter somewhere in day two. Roman but maybe, but that stuff is like, you know that that stuff where if you're taking that guy, that's probably the highest player on your board regardless, right? And I could very easily see them now passing on a receiver, honestly, just because. They had they had such a great run game in in at Michigan. If you had, you know, a, a right tackle like, let's say let's say just picking a guy out of a hat, right? Like Amarius Mims from Georgia, who played who played right tackle. What are the Chargers picking? Five. Uh, I I like Latham from yeah. Alabama, but yeah, I do I do like him a lot too. Um, I, I could see Latham. I could see Mims. Um, I could also see the um, – th- this is more of a trade back, but Troy Fatanu, um, he he projects more as maybe a guard, right? So if they were to trade back from five, which I think is a pretty – you know, like that's an option I would really consider if I was them trading back from that slot. That's a guy who you can grab maybe like late teens, early 20s if you get a team to pay up for draft capital up over there. I think they have a lot of avenues to go in. Um, I think – Having you know what what Harbaugh's favorite position is though, right? It's tight end. No. Yeah, and there's a good tight end that'll be there at five. 
Sure, that's fair. I mean, going from Loveland to Bowers is obviously Bowers is on a totally different level, but it's like, hmm. I mean, two he, years he, of, he had Ertz and Fleener in college. Yes. Um, yes I don't think he had right. Kittle at. I forget who he had as his tight end in San Francisco, but he was that, it, that's, wasn't still uh, Vernon Davis over there. Yeah, it was Vernon. You're right. It was Vernon yeah. Davis. Um, but that's another thing. Like in the day when everyone's going to three wide receivers and teams are like teams are cheapening out on the linebacker position. Is that fair to say? I, I mean, I mean, Eagles fans, I'm a little biased. Oh, absolutely. Teams yeah. are. So make them make them make that choice. You want to go like if we got tight ends that can. By the way, this isn't anything new. The Pats, one of the things that made Gronk so effective was that he could block. He was a really good run blocker. Yes. Um, and so you have to deal with that. Like, are you going to put a safety on him? Are you going to go nickel? Well, we're going to run it down your throat. Uh, and yeah, like you can say, we, we're not giving up the big plays, but that 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 takes its toll. And I think that's it's coming to that. Not to say that the running game is going to overshadow the pass, but EPA doesn't sum up exa- everything that, that happens there. I wouldn't be shocked if they did if they traded back maybe, but I, I, if they if they like Brock Bowers and they should, uh, he's not the greatest blocker, but um, but Harbaugh giving Harbaugh Brock Bowers and Justin Herbert is um, I don't think other teams in the FC West should be very happy about that if that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm interested to see what happens now with Eckler as well. Um, just you know, Blake Horm's not the biggest guy, but his vision and you know, agility, his cutting has always been his calling card, right? Especially the last two years in Michigan. I know his long speed, um, something that we've talked about is that his long speed has come down a bit over the years. Eckler is kind of really hitting his cliff. He, I, I think he hit his cliff this year. His, his yards per carry, which, like I've said on here a lot of times, isn't just a running back stat, really fell down a lot. Um, the juke rate, the broken tackle rate, the elusiveness, all that stuff really plunged as well. There's obviously a lot of clips too on Twitter, which are funny, just about him like not being able to turn a corner on like a defensive end. So I wonder what happens with him now. I don't think he had a solution with his contract for the like from that issue last offseason with the Chargers. So he's somebody who I could see kind of on the out over there. Mike Williams is a guy who would look at and say, all right, maybe, you know, if they do find a trade back partner. His money's not, uh, I believe his money is not fully guaranteed starting this year. So that could be somebody who maybe they dump for like maybe a fourth or fifth round pick and they draft a guy like a Keon Coleman or a Troy Franklin's kind of replace that big body X receiver on the boundary. Keon Coleman's not going the fourth round, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, you dump Mike Williams for the fourth round pick. You yeah, trade back you for take- five and you yeah. take a Keon Coleman over there. Yeah.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcast. Yes.